0: We are going to spend a little bit of time in Joshua chapter 1. I have exited uh, the second Chronicles, uh, and I am now in Joshua, Joshua chapter 1. And this is very fitting for, for the situation that I just came out of with the death of uh, Clarence Sexton. You had a greater uh, character who died, and that was Moses. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... Came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, So you can only imagine just how great of a hole, if I can say it that way, that was left when Moses died. How are you going to fill those shoes when Moses died? But after the death of Moses, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Verse 2. Now therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, into the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Moses is dead. The previous generation is dead. Our heroes are dead. Therefore, arise. It's time for us to arise. It is it's time for the next generation to get up and move forward it is time for us to do that us on this call but the next generation figuratively speaking it is time sometimes we can be just looking around at one another wondering who's going to do it or we're just waiting for someone else to make the first move it is time for us to arise and go. If we're on this call, if we have a burden for revival, if we have a burden for God's kingdom in any small way, then the word comes to us. It is time for us, for you. I want you to feel the, the, the finger on your chest. It's time for you to arise and go. Go over this Jordan. It's time to claim that promised land. Previous generation was wandering around the wilderness for 40 years in circles because of their sin. Now it's time to go in to this promised land. Every place, verse 3, that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, and we'll just stop there. And I just, if I had to put a title on this, it's very simply, I just call it Praying Feet. Praying Feet. Praying Feet. Just some meditations on this. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. Just three things for us to hang our thoughts on, if I could. You have... The interplay of God's sovereignty and man's responsibility, the first just consideration. The second is what I call the border of our faith, and the third would be the action of our faith. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. You can right off the bat see in this this one sentence, there's two big ideas here. There's the, the sole of the foot that needs to tread. That's what I would say our responsibility. There is something that we are supposed to do. But then you see right mixed into that, in a mysterious and wonderful way, God's sovereignty. That have I given unto you. There's no problem here. There's no conflict. There's, it's, it's, a, it's the way it is. It's the Bible way. That there is always human responsibility. Always. In salvation, there is responsibility for the individual to call upon the name of the Lord. And then we understand that there's there's God's sovereignty in, in this as well. But what I want us to just understand and feel is that there is a responsibility that we have Let's put it that way I'm coming across more and more individuals That that have a um, Have a very negative spirit Have a very, let's say, embittered spirit And they like to cast the blame on their past They like to cast the blame on their past church um, they like to cast a blame on their parents, let's say Their parenting, their raising of them, their childhood Their environment And there are whole therapies that, that are blossoming the, the therapy industry Because of people needing to be affirmed in the fact that Yes, it was your parents Or yes, it was the cult that you were in Or whatever You know, there's, there's not... A greater example, I don't think, of somebody who could have blamed his past as a Clarence Sexton. Because he was brought up in a very, very broken home. Very broken home. And if you listen to his testimony, you, you would be amazed just how disadvantaged he was. But he didn't. He saw everything in his past as God's purpose in shaping him to be who he is today. And it's it's a very sad thing when you when you hear people today just harping and harping and and complaining and criticizing and so embittered about their past. It is it is like a person who truly is in captivity, they are self-destructing. They are they are in this awful state where they cannot or will not get out. But there is a, a responsibility and a sovereignty. And I want us to understand that in James 4, it says, Ye have not because ye ask not. Are we asking the Lord? Are we verbalizing and are we in prayer specifically asking the Lord for things? Or are we just Are we just wallowing in a self-pity about where we are? Or are we asking the Lord, like Caleb did, give me that mountain? Putting his finger on it and saying, give me that mountain. Are you praying with specificity for your son and your husband, your daughter? I know obviously many of you are, but I just want to make the point that so often we can find ourselves in this sort of um, wandering, wallowing state where we're not actually saying give that to me, we're not praying for that, we're just I don't know what we're doing. We're resting on the sovereignty of God or we're just, it's sort of like a defeatist thing where we're just sitting back and well, there's nothing we can do. Yes, there is. Give me that mountain. You have not because you ask not. John 16, 24 says, Jesus says, Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name? Ask. Ask. Get it into words. Ask that ye shall receive, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. Jesus is laying it out as clear as as he could. And of course, that passage we read in Joshua 1.3, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. Which really leads me to the border of our faith, the border of our faith. There is a border, if I can say it that way. In other words, if their f- the sole of their foot did not go over in that region, then that was not theirs. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given to you. So if we're not praying for that over there, then, then we can't expect that, in a sense. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given to you. There is a border. And we all know that expression. You're coming to a king. A king. Great petitions with you bring. His grace and power are such that none can ask too much. You can't ask too much from the Lord. We're plagued with a kind of a timidity in our asking. But there is a border. Matthew 9 says, according to your faith, be it unto you. That's, that's a very interesting phrase. According to your faith. Romans tells us that the Lord gives to each a measure of faith degrees of faith and so naturally the the question is that the, the disciples asked in Luke 17 Lord increase our faith then increase our faith and we can ask the Lord the same thing increase our faith but you remember what the Lord answered? how the Lord answered that he gave them that illustration of the mustard seed the tiniest of of things in other words, it's really not about more faith, is it? Or at least that's not where our focus should be. It's the object of our faith, what we are putting our faith in. So it's not so much this thing of faith where, you know, we, we need to increase this thing of faith as if all of our focus is on faith, faith, faith. What are you trusting in? the object of the faith, even if it's a tiny mustard seed, the object is what? Or is the object of your faith your faith itself? No. The object, trusting in the Lord. And of course, faith, as Romans 10 teaches us, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So, in a very practical sense, if you want to increase your faith faith comes from the word of god now how does this work well what that simply means is this our eyes our sight our minds our attention our focus less and less is on the world and what we see in the world and more and more it's on the lord because we're reading his word we're hearing from his word and so our minds are being filled more and more with a vision of the greatness of our God. You, you can see how practically this works out. The more attention that we give to the Word of God, the more that He takes up our vision, our faith naturally grows, doesn't it? Because we see only Him. And you see this illustrated all over the Old Testament. Those those servants, they can only see the enemy. They're, they're big, they're bad. And then Elisha prays, Lord, open his eyes. Just open his eyes so he can see There's more with us. He was only able to see the outward. But as you fill yourself with the Word of God, as you look more and more into his face and your vision becomes more saturated with God, yes, of course, your faith will grow because what is it that our God cannot do? That's why David was able to face a Goliath is because his his vision was so filled with the greatness of his God. And that's why the ten spies were so, so defeated, because all they saw were the giants and the walled cities. And maybe that's where you are. All you see is the impossibility, the, the walled cities of, of your son or your daughter that's been so long in, in their sin. It's like a wall that goes to heaven, or it's a giant and you feel like a grasshopper. And that's all you see. You're not seeing God anymore or the greatness of God. And so there's a border to our faith and the action of our faith. Simply this they had to put feet to their prayer, if I can say it that way. They had to actually walk out the land, the sole of their foot. And you know, real praying doesn't stop in the prayer meeting. Now, I would say it starts in the prayer meeting, it starts in prayer. But it doesn't stop there, meaning there there is always a corresponding action. Even the New York prayer meeting, if you if you if you think about this, the New York prayer meeting back in eighteen fifty seven with Jeremiah Lampier, it started in the place of prayer. He was asking the Lord constantly, "Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? To do? To do?" But he, but it was in the place of prayer. He was praying this. He was praying this. And even in the prayer meeting, when they first started, there was, there was corresponding action. Those prayer meetings, they would distribute literature in the prayer meetings, tracks for people to go out with. Because it, it, it can't stop in the prayer meeting. If it's a real, genuine work of God in your heart, in prayer, it can't stop there. You know that. You have to, there has to be a next step. So, now, don't get those things backwards. Don't be doing, doing, doing out of guilt without without the first step being there in the place of prayer. It has to start in prayer. So there's an action to our faith. I trust that this will, it's a simple, it's a simple meditation on every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. The interplay between God and man's responsibility and God's sovereignty, that have I given to you, yes. But every place that your fo- soul, your foot treads upon, there is a responsibility. There's a border. As far as our feet will take us in prayer, be specific, ask for, and then ask like Jabez does, Jabez did to enlarge your borders, strengthen your stakes. Yes, Lord, give me this, but Lord, give me actually even more enlarge your borders and then the action of our faith it leads to action